This episode is sponsored by Squirrel Sisters. Squirrel Sisters is a health and wellness company founded by sisters Gracie and Sophie Tyrrell, who are on a mission to help you treat your health. As we all know, I love my food, but one thing I tend to struggle with is the balance between being healthy and indulging in quote-unquote snacks. I like to keep my sugar consumption reasonably low without restricting myself on tasty treats and that's where Squirrel Sisters come in. They have a range of healthy snacks, bars and nibbles that can be found in stores across the nation including Waitrose, Holland and Barrett, Selfridges and online on Amazon. All their products are 100% natural, vegan, gluten-free and made with the highest quality ingredients and most importantly, do not have any added sugars. It's a win-win for all. My personal favourite is the Cacao Orange Energy Bars, which taste just like a Terry's Chocolate Orange, but without all the bad stuff. Follow the brand on Instagram, at Squirrel Sisters. And just to make your life even more exciting, Squirrel Sisters are offering all listeners a 25% discount off everything on their website. Use the code CRAZYSEXYFOOD at checkout. And now for the episode. Hello and welcome to the Crazy Sexy Food Podcast. I'm Hannah Harley-Young, a photographer by trade and a foodie at heart. Each week I sit down and chat all things food with well-known foodies, industry insiders, chefs and people who just love their food. Today I'm joined by Faya Nilsson the half-Swedish, half-English beauty behind Fitness on Toast, the multi-award-winning lifestyle platform. As a qualified PT, Faya set up Fitness on Toast in 2013 as a place to share her healthy recipes, offer nutritional tips and workout plans, as well as showcasing ideas for wellness escapes. With over 130,000 followers on Instagram alone, a best-selling book and previous ambassadorships for brands such as Adidas and Apple, I am obsessed with Faye's beautiful editorial-like imagery shot around the world displaying her healthy lifestyle ethos. Although somewhat jealous of her ventures to far-off places, such as the Maldives, Greece and Morocco, she's such a friendly, approachable woman that I end up following her path around the globe with inspiration and aspirations. As Teen Vogue perfectly describes her, Faye delivers the perfect union of fitness and food, which I've come to realise is exactly how I like to lead my life. So I can't wait to find out how to maintain this lifestyle with the lady herself. Faya, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. That is the most wonderful, (laughs) lovely introduction. Thank you. This is your life. (laughs) That is so lovely. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I am. Yeah, I'm preggers. She is pregnant. <laughs> Huge congratulations. Thank you. Thank You're, you. She's sporting a very beautiful, very well-rounded bump. Um, <laughs> yeah, just, not just chocolate in here. <laughs> <laughs> we were it's starting a, to look like a pregnancy bump absolutely. now as opposed to just COVID kind of lockdown weight. Mm, yeah. yeah, that's what I'm sporting. Um, <laughs> how have you been getting on with the pregnancy? Yeah, good overall, you know, mix, I suppose. In the beginning, I was um, suffering from morning sickness, but I would probably call it daily sickness, as in like feeling kind of gross all day long for three months. But now finally starting to feel like myself again. Good for you. And any cravings? Yes, Um, (laughs) quite a few actually. In the beginning, I had 
a craving for spicy food a lot. I remember in the middle of the night, 12 o'clock, I was like, Ollie, it's my husband. I was like, Ollie, I've got to have a curry. Like, I've got to have a masala curry now. And he's like, you, you literally picked the worst time ever because there are no restaurants open. Like, it's impossible to get anything at this point. And I, I'm not really a... Like, I don't really love Indian. Like, I yeah. like it, but it's not my my thing that I would normally crave. But interestingly enough, I was talking to a friend of mine. She's a nutritionist, Michelle. And I said... um, Because I was like, actually worried because I was eating so much spicy food at some <laughs> at one point. I was like having spicy food for breakfast. And... You're my kind of girl. I love yeah. spicy Dude. food. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So maybe you'll like get yeah. even more yeah, of this. Got, I don't know how much more I can take, to be honest. But, um, but uh, yeah, she said, actually, it's, um, it's quite common because it's it's encouraging blood circulation to your uterus so it's actually a healthy sign really craving spicy food I didn't yeah. know this yeah how clever is the body wow I know I mean we'll get to sort of your career in a minute but I can imagine as someone who has worked in the fitness and sort of health industry for, for quite a few years watching your own body you know grow this baby and watching the changes must be quite you know, eye-opening for you. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I think um, I've been training women a lot over the years, pregnant women, pre and postnatal. So I've, I know quite a bit about it, but going through it yourself, obviously, it's a completely different story. <laughs> so I've got to ask, what did you have for breakfast this morning? I had uh, my muesli, which I have every morning. It's homemade, and I just chuck in a load of nuts and seeds and um, oats, and I even, I've added a bit of cacao, um, organic cacao nibs that's like a new craving as well so Love. it's quite indulgent but very but still nutri- quite balanced quite nutritious. And nutritious yeah it'll yeah. keep me going until lunchtime for sure and in general sort of maybe pre-pregnancy what was your relationship with food like uh, I've always had a, a pretty healthy relationship with food and I, I think I still still do um, you know I grew up in Sweden and I think overall just like very healthy eating habits you know at school at home it's interesting that the word healthy as such you know growing up didn't really occur very often I think it's it's become a thing now that we talk about more so um but as kids it was just like a way of 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 like living maybe that sounds a bit like cliche but you know you know as a kid I don't think we knew about calories no. or what sugar or you know we'd like that we didn't really think about it very much it was just there's a lot more emphasis on right. it nowadays right right and talk to me about your childhood in Sweden because I actually have had the pleasure of going to Sweden twice oh. in my life and there's a really beautiful unique way of life that sort of Scandi lifestyle as an outsider it's quite relaxed mm-hmm. you guys are super friendly you seem to be happy all the time What's the secret? I might need to move there. <laughs> Things aren't so great in the UK right now. Oh, that's so funny. Gosh, I don't, I don't want to come across as one of these annoying patriotic Swedes. This is like where the, we're amazing. I, I don't know. Like, I think also as a tourist, when you come over, like Swedes do love practicing their English and they love the Brits. So in fact, I remember my sister and I actually, we went out one night. We were like, oh, let's just speak English the entire night and like see like as a social experiment if we get better service and we did no way yeah so I think the Swedes just love love English what was your childhood like in Sweden what's what's it like growing up you know back in those days yeah um well I grew up in the south of Sweden in a tiny little town um on a farm um my my mum grew a lot of our own food um we we grew our own potatoes and um 
yeah, it was like very outdoorsy, always playing outside, come rain, to come shine. My mum would like kick us out. She actually had a bell that she used to ring, <laughs> like <laughs> calling the cows home or something. She'd like, us kids, we'd be out running around and playing in the forest and then she'd ring this bell and my sister and I'd come running and, you know, just like bruised and just like dirty, like, you know, wild animals. And, you know, we'd come in and, you know, for lunch or whatever. Um, so it was, um, it was quite idyllic, like a lot of freedom. Yeah, very different to so different to, life to city life. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with me, I mean, I literally was only allowed maybe like one square foot outside the house before my mum would be like, "No, it's too dangerous outside. You got to come back." <laughs> and what were you eating growing up? You know, who was cooking? Was food and were meal times of 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 huge importance? Yeah, I would say so. We weren't picky eaters my sister and I we would kind of eat whatever was put in front of us um which was you know in hindsight probably overall very healthy um my mum would always cook the food fresh you know and it would always have you know your carbs and your protein and very very scandy food overall what sort of food would you be eating in terms of what is Swedish food it's quite hard to it's quite a tricky question like if I were to ask you what's English food you'd probably mm. I, I, I would like think fish and chips and baked beans and HP sauce which probably not um what English food really is I'd probably start with saying we have quite a, a relatively long coastline so a lot of fish features quite heavily on Swedish menus you know you get things like pike and um like Ooh, salmon she's talking Swedish to me I like it <laughs> <laughs> a lot of seafood you know one of my favorite things when I go to Sweden we have I always order a saffron um, seafood soup oh wow I don't know does that sound good that it, sounds incredible yeah, it's, it's delicious I'll always have that so so is it kind of like a booyah base with saffron like is it sort of like different fish and seafood right. in like a broth or more of a creamy kind wow. of um base but you could probably have it more in a in a broth and I'd always have like a shrimp sandwich when I go over and visit which is I don't know if you've tried that in Sweden no, but it sounds amazing very good very simple but just yeah wonderful and you have it on this like thick piece of bread you know bread features quite heavily I used to work in a bakery growing up oh um, my gosh a Swedish a bakery Swedish bakery I know on the weekends and on summer holidays and things I used to work then I would would open the, the bakery at like five o'clock in the morning when the bakers had probably been there since three o'clock in the morning and one of the things I remember when they brought out the bread and the, f- the smell of fresh oh. bread and they would just slice a little piece and you put a bit oh, of stop. butter on there I'm and it salivating. was like oh, ha- just heavenly so I'm a bit of a bit of a cake snob having worked in a bakery for so are. so many years um a lot of pickle food um and it's all, uh, quite seasonal as well you know in sweden we tend to you know forage we've got something called allemansrätt and uh, which translates to everyone all man's right which means you don't really have private land meaning that you can you know we get a lot of germans over for instance picking our blueberries and it's always been a bit of a joke with swedes like oh here they are picking our blueberries again but it's such a lovely thing where you can in theory, go into anyone's piece of land and you can pick, you know, mushrooms or whatever else. My so gosh. a lot of a lot of foraging. Um, so there's no private like farmland. So literally no. if you owned a farm, right. anyone could walk in and just start taking your produce. Yeah, pretty much. Like my dad got a piece of land when he moved to Sweden and and he was always amazed that people could just set up a tent and, you know, camp there for the night if they wanted to, wow. uh, or pick the apples. And I mean, to an extent, you wouldn't cut, start cutting down trees and stuff, but, you know, you can just wander through and, you know, stay there overnight if you wish to. I think traditional Sweden is quite 
pagan in that we celebrate the different seasons you know we've got something called midsummer i don't know if you've ever celebrated that i think i've heard of it yeah that's um we basically erect this massive pole in at midsummer the the longest day of the year and it symbolizes a massive penis oh my god <laughs> so I mean it's like it's, it's like literally pole with two balls okay, on it I did it. not know about you this didn't at know all no, do you know fan- actually like fantastic. funnily enough like most Swedes don't really know what it represents I didn't know until like I had English friends coming over and asking me about it I was like I don't really know what it what it symbolizes but it's you're cel- celebrating the fertile soil that time of the year wow, okay. you decorate this like massive thing with beautiful flowers and then you dance around it and you pretend <laughs> to be frogs like it's ridiculous but but such good fun and and like and then you've got like crayfish parties. I don't know if you've ever been to one of those. No, what is all this stuff I've missed out on? Oh my gosh! You when are we going to, a, to yes, Sweden? You have to come to the next crayfish party, <laughs> which is lovely. You, you again, like you go out, you catch your own crayfish, and then you eat crayfish all night. You like you cook the crayfish, and then you drink snaps, which yes. is like the vodka equivalent. I've tried extremely it. Extremely strong. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. Um, I want to come and hang out with you yes. more. <laughs> Fast forwarding to your adult life, you have moved to the UK yeah. and you set up Fitness on Toast, which you named it when your clients were giving you their food diaries. Right. Is that correct? Yeah. So it was kind of a bit of a play on words. <laughs> I think it's so it brilliant. Just a bit of fun. And, and uh, yeah, so I always ask clients to write a food diary and I found that a lot of food was on toast so whether it's like cheese on toast beans on toast my marmite on toast and I thought this is interesting let's introduce some fitness on toast absolutely um so that's why I started the blog originally really just as a way to communicate stuff with with clients online I guess at the time did you realize that the ethos was about finding this union between fitness and food or was it purely quite organic and that you just wanted to be a hub for your clients to, to find resources so typically when you when you see your client you might train someone three times a week for an hour and in that session you're being bombarded with questions whether it's like what should I have for breakfast or am I going to get bulky doing strength training or you know what trainers should I wear and I never really found that I had enough time to answer those questions correctly because simultaneously you're always also trying to deliver an awesome session and to correct their technique and whatever else and then they leave and then you're on to the next next client and I was googling and I found the website available at the time there weren't really anyone there wasn't really anyone doing blogging like fitness blog there were a lot of like fashion blogs out there but not that many fitness blogs and um you would find kind of websites or blogs which were very um kind of supplement heavy in the sense it was more about um you know protein shakes and you know you preparing your meals in Tupperware like the night before and you know, which is, it's like quite niche and a very specific group of people kind of subscribe to that. Or there was that this like, I don't know, I'd probably call it like fluff aimed more to women, which is more, you know, how to get a peachy bottom, you know, <laughs> two weeks before holiday on, the, know. you know, how to look good on the beach. And I was like, oh, I'm kind of somewhere in, but, um, you know, my clients are somewhere in between. A lot of my clients work in the city and they're not going to be prepping, you know, Tupperware boxes and they don't have time for that they just want to get on with life but they recognize that they want to stay healthy and and equally I think there was a real thirst for knowledge in, in the sense that people weren't just asking me you know what should I do but why you know especially with women I found at the time because that's when like the fitness movement was just starting to kind of you know gain momentum mm. and uh, so I think I was just very lucky with the timing because 
I genuinely really didn't think anyone would read the blog at all. I thought I'd be lucky if my my mum read it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I think though that, you know, yes, maybe there, there was an element of sort of right place, right time. But I think that this approach to to finding this union is quite important. You know, mm. personally for me, fitness is of huge importance and not only to feel and look good, but my biggest love in life is food. Yeah. This is why we're probably sitting yeah. here right now. <laughs> but it really is. And, mm. you know, I think as women, we can be very hard on ourselves, mm-hmm. um, especially when it comes to the topic of food. You know, there a lot of foods carry this sense of guilt when it really shouldn't. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's all about, you know, these sort of like these key words like, you know, cheat day or this Mm -hmm. or a treat or I shouldn't have had this, you know. And I guess I I personally saw my fitness journey as a way to allow myself to eat what I wanted. Now, whether that meant that I may not see the results as quickly as perhaps I wanted to, as long as I knew I was exercising, I could kind of get away with eating majority of the things that I that I wanted to eat. Mm. And I guess what I want to ask is how do we find this, I'm going to use this word union again, how do we find this union? Because do you think that it's dangerous to use the term you've got to find this perfect balance? Does that give us these unobtainable standards Mm. that we suddenly start veering off onto quite a dangerous path, trying Mm. to strive for this perfection mm-hmm. whatever that might be for the individual you know what what does it mean to you and how do we how do you find healthy right as an individual person we live in a world where we're just bombarded with so much information and it can be incredibly confusing and misleading and we're kind of in the end we feel a bit sort of torn and thinking like oh this is too much like you kind of just don't know which way to turn but I'd like to think that living a, a healthy life shouldn't be... It's actually quite straightforward. We just overcomplicate things. Um, I agree with that. And um, I think well-being or you know balance or whatever you want to call it probably lands somewhere in between mental health and physical health. You know, and I think if you if you're able to merge those two, you you're probably in a quite happy happy space. Um, and then you kind of have to figure out what that might be for you. What what does that look like to you and what's realistic and what can you maintain long term? And, and it's it's fun and it's interesting and it's varied and it allows you to have a social life. And, you know, so it's it, I think you can't kind of subscribe. You can't kind of say one size fit, fits all. Excuse me. Like you have to find what works for that person. And, and that as a trainer, you're constantly trying to figure out what works for your client. Um I mean, there are times where someone will come to me and say, I just want to look awesome for the beach. You know, I, I'm going to be fair and I want a six pack and I've got three months. Let's smash it. And and that can be quite fun for a trainer as well because mm. you have a deadline and you it's very specific and you it's measurable and you can put a plan together. And if that person's committed, you can, you can achieve that. But I think a lot of the time people just want a healthy way of living all year round, you know, and, and you probably, you're operating at 80% at that point. And then that's quite nice because then, you know, when you have that holiday to, that you, you want to look awesome too, or that wedding or whatever it may be, you just have to put in that extra 20% effort. Absolutely. And then you get that as opposed to constantly yo-yoing between like on off, on off, on off. And I think that's 
when you end up in quite an unhealthy mindset. Because, and, and I think, like going back to your point about being quite hard on ourselves, I think a lot of the time people will go out for a drink or something and they might, I don't know, might end up having a pizza or whatever, and then they beat themselves up about it and they think, oh, forget it, I, I'm gonna, I forget about it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll be back on it on Monday. And then they kind of just like, for the rest of the week, they they binge almost. Mm. And it's like, no, it's fine. Like go out, have a pizza, have a few drinks and then go to the gym tomorrow. Mm. You know? Yeah. yeah. Like it's, it's that simple. Yeah. Interestingly, that was said to me um, by, I went to go and see a nutritionist a couple of years ago to deal with some stomach issues. And, you know, I'd be a liar if I didn't say that I have been that person at times. Mm -hmm. So I have beaten myself up because I had a pizza. And she turned to me and she said, do you know what, Hannah? I actually am going to put into your um, into your diary mm-hmm. of like what the things that I'd like you to sort of just think about and do and whatever to try and counteract some of the issues you're dealing with. I actually want you once or once every two weeks to go and have a really good pizza oh, somewhere. I love that. Because... First of all, denying yourself that for mm-hmm. someone who genuinely like pizza is my life. That's yeah. like my thing. It'll be like my final meal in life. You know, denying myself that is actually probably doing more harm than good to yeah. my mental health yeah. because I'm restricting something that I absolutely yeah. love. And quite frankly, and perhaps I am speaking out of line now, but one pizza is not going to ruin oh, anything, no, right? Not. If I was eating pizza every single day, Perhaps we need to have a little chat about that. Right. But one pizza yeah. is not going to undo the hard work. It's actually not too bad anyways. Fairly low glycemic. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Well, if it's, it's all right, yeah. then we're going out for a pizza tonight. No, but, no, but I agree with you 100%. You know, listen, and, 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 there um, are certain brands of pizza that perhaps maybe we wouldn't go for. Yeah, but if you're yeah. going to a really great place where the ingredients are fresh, yeah. or even if you're going to make your own pizza, yeah. no, you know, tastes- there needs to stop being this hardness on yeah. ourselves. Yeah. And I actually really appreciated her for doing that because yeah. I sort of went away and was like, I can't believe I just paid someone to tell me to go and eat pizza. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, that's fantastic. It's all about... Enjoy- and, and it's funny because like a lot of time when I've seen people in the past and they come and they're like, oh, well, I guess I've got to do this health thing now. They have such a negative association with it. And it's like, maybe their wife's like, you know, you've got to lose some weight. And they're all like, they've had a health scare and they're just reluctantly kind of dragging themselves into the gym. And they're just like, right, you know, what kind of a awful diet are you going to stick me <laughs> on? And it's just like, we have to get away from that. Like we have to make it about you know, turn around and make it a, a happy association, something we look forward to. And, and you know, if you don't like running or if you don't going, like going to the gym, find something else. So, like, yeah. there's so many things you there's can do. There's so many things nowadays. Yeah. And sort of touching on what you mentioned earlier, you know, we do, whether we like it or not, live in this world of social media. And, you know, social media has some incredibly positive points. But there is another side to it. And in particular with this sort of fitness and 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 health industry what are your thoughts sort of on this real surge of a lot of girls and and boys out there who are claiming Mm. to be these nutritionists and Mm. these dietitians or whatever and they've probably just done a weekend course and they're giving this advice to Mm. very young impressionable people because I think that's incredibly dangerous Mm. 
and you know you're obviously you know you're qualified on all these things and you also kind of set up right before the surge of Mm -hmm. what social media is now and I really want to sort of get your thoughts on that and sort of like the world that we're living in at the moment I think I'm in in two minds about the whole thing to be honest I think um, even though you maybe you've only done a a weekend course you know your maybe your advice isn't terrible and it's going to encourage someone to get off the sofa and like go to the gym um that's fine I think it's worrying when people start giving advice which is incorrect or I mean there's a level of like if someone's illustrating a squat incorrectly it's not the end of the world but if someone's saying and I think there was a lot of backlash about this in the beginning you know someone's saying oh eat this and it'll cure cancer obviously that's a that's a big problem Mm. and there's a big difference between saying oh here's a a a salad recipe and saying you know the salad recipe is going to cure cancer funnily enough you know social media has a way of of um calling that out and 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 filtering out that content to an extent which is which is great you know I I think of several people in the past who um kind of were big at one point and then people recognized actually what they were saying wasn't necessarily true and they're no longer on social Mm. media or they've changed their you know tone or direction a little bit um so yeah and and two minds about it you know I think this whole explosion of fitness has been good in in many ways you know I'm I'm really grateful I wouldn't be sitting here with you you know which is so lovely we've met through social media and and you know, met some wonderful people and have the opportunity. And through our wonderful friend Bianca, Bianca yes, I know she will love it if she got a little cool out there. Yeah, we love you, Bianca. I'll make sure I won't edit that bit out. Um, yeah, but you know, when I started off, like and this is going back ages, and it shows how ancient I am now. But you know, when I started in the fitness industry, people, especially women, wouldn't even go near the the weight area. You know just a, a thing like that whereas now you know it's very much encouraged online and women are fully embracing that and it's quite an empowering movement I think and completely yeah. agree with that and like there's a little bit more diversity online in the sense I'd say you know you you've got a curvy look you've got the muscular look you've got the skinny look and there's like you know there's something for everyone whereas yeah. previously I think there was certainly when I grew up you know there was like the Pamela Anderson ideal and then there was like <laughs> the super skinny and there was nothing like kind of oh why do I I'm you know I've got naturally like more of a athletic boyish figure and I didn't like really fall into either of those categories and now I think you know a young version of me might go on social media and be like oh look this girl she's Mm. kind of like me you know Mm. um and that I think that's quite healthy totally Um, I mean we're obviously similar age and I I mean I, I don't know if what it was like in Sweden but growing up for me what was celebrated was skinny. Yeah. You know, yeah, you kind of had that Pamela Anderson sort of slightly enhanced look, but Mm -hmm. it wasn't like it was now that has sort of become fashionable through certain realms of reality TV or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of probably what I struggled with, that I, as I got into the fitness journey, I just thought in order to lose weight, because I was a bit overweight as a child, in order to lose weight, I just had to get on a treadmill. Mm. I had to go and run mm. and it would just start shedding. And right. it, that didn't happen. Mm. And actually, it, it has to be that balance between the food and the exercise. Mm-hmm. And touching on your point about, you know, the weight section, I remember, and I think it was because I have a very good friend of mine um, who I met at my gym. He was a trainer. 
and he would always get me down into the weight section and I'd happily go with him if he was with me mm. and then when he the days he wasn't there and I'd be like oh my god I have to yeah. go down to the weight section the men are going to be staring at me I don't know what the hell I'm doing like these weights will just look way too big for me yeah. whereas now actually well obviously I'm not frequenting a gym at the moment but when if if and when I yeah, do yeah. it will only actually be just to go and do the heavy weights right because that for me is empowering. Yeah. And I actually see a bit more of a difference when I'm doing a bit more weightlifting mm. than the cardio. Yeah. Which I find really interesting. Yeah, and there's yeah. that whole sort of we all think as women, if we start pushing weights, we're going to become really hench and sort right. of. Right. Yeah, there's still know, a bit of that, but not, yeah. not as much, I don't no. think. People, I think, have realized it's far more effective and you're able to sculpt your body Absolutely. in a very, very different way. And it, it's, yeah. Yeah, no, I, no, I agree. I remember the first time I wandered into a gym as a personal trainer, fully qualified, like very young at this point, and there weren't that many personal trainers. And uh, a guy said to me um, in the weight area, he goes, "You're right, love. You lost." <gasps> no way! <laughs> oh my god! What did you say to I him? I was like, no. <laughs> um, but this is what I'm saying. It was that. It's that kind and that of was vibe, the culture, right? Very much so. So when I would ask my female clients to come to the weight area with me, they would just, you know, refuse. They'd be like, I'm not going in there. I actually got into a full shouting row with a guy in the weight section when I first started going down that end (laughs) because he was so territorial of his weights. Yeah. So back to this idea of kind of, you know, you've got your fitness, you've got your food, Mm -hmm. you know, you're not being too crazy and too restrictive on, on either side. You wrote a book called Fit in Three, which is all about the Scandi plan. Now talk to me about this. Does this have the secret for me to become this super chilled, <laughs> Swedish, um, beautiful, sexy oh um, person? Is this, um, is this the holy grail that I'm now oh, holding in my hand? Oh, you're so sweet. Um, what do I say to that? Um, <laughs> Just say yes. <laughs> God, I, do you know, I wanted to write a book for so long. So when I was approached and they say, do you want to write this book? I thought, yeah, how, how hard can it be? Like I write blog posts, it's like the same, but just like a longer version. Um, but it was quite hard to kind of <laughs> it was not put it all together. And, and the hardest thing was editing because, you know, I would just send 5,000 words when they'd asked for 100. But I think the thing that I kind of narrowed it down to were, if you want to call it the holy grey, the, the three holy pillars are... Um, Nutrition, obviously, um, eating well, so quality foods, portion control, timing, you know, it's not skipping meals. Some people would just smoke cigarettes all day and then have a massive meal in the evening, wouldn't yeah. suggesting something like that. Just like kind of breaking it down, talking about your carbs and your fats and your sugars and, and a lot of healthy recipes in there. And then, so that's one section, one um, pillar, the other one being fitness. So just also just talking about the importance of moving in general it's not unusual that people sit for 10 hours a day these days you know you get on the tube you sit there you get to the office you sit down you come home you watch some telly you sit down so just like encouraging people to move and and more kind of informative in terms of strength and cardiovascular training and you know all that sort of stuff and then the final pillar being more mindfulness so the importance of sleep and recovery and you know we talk a little bit about yoga and meditation and that sort of thing so I think kind of um if you can and it's I think it's rare in life that you're able to have all three perfectly aligned but you know typically 
maybe we'll eat really well and train well, but you know, sleep for whatever reason, we're feeling a bit stressed and you know, that's lacking. Or maybe next minute we're sleeping really well, but you know, can't quite manage to squeeze in enough training, but trying to min- maintain that balance between all three, I think. I guess that just listening to you talk about that, it's very pivotal at the moment and the mm. world that we're living in right now, trying to navigate through what has been quite a tumultuous time, mm. you know, um, again, just sort of bringing it back personally, when lockdown happened, my first panic actually was, oh my God, I can't go to the gym. Yeah. What's going to happen? What yeah. am I going to do? Because I placed this huge emphasis on fitness. Mm. Then I realized after a month that actually everything I was doing at the gym, bar really heavy weights, I could actually do at home. Yeah. Then my next issue, and I, I really hope there's people out here that identify with this. Then my next issue was I started overeating because mm-hmm. I was at home all the time. Yeah. I wasn't moving, like right. you said. I wasn't getting up, going to the gym, coming back, mm-hmm. going out on the tube, going to do something, go to a meeting, yeah. go for lunch going for a walk, do this, do that, whatever it was, you're still, you're moving a hell of a lot more than we were, even if we were allowed out to go and do a walk every day, it still wasn't the same. So I started overeating because I was bored and I was probably quite stressed. And then that leads me onto the third pillar, which was sleep was Mm -hmm. non-existent, stress and anxiety was at an all-time high. And I think that this has been a really pivotal moment for a lot of people probably Mm -hmm. to reassess Mm -hmm. their lives yeah yeah. and this is where your book comes in quite nicely (laughs) that's really kind no I mean it's been it's such a weird time I think loads of people can relate to that you know myself included it was so frustrating and and being a mum now for the first time I kind of found I was pregnant just before lockdown in my mind I was like I'll be that healthy mum going to the gym and I couldn't wait and you know you're having to readjust but like you say there's so much you you can do at home but I think it was the anxiety as well. A lot of people felt, you know, the the uncertainty of it all. all Things will slowly, we'll, mm. we'll start figuring it out at some yeah. point. Maybe when the powers that be start figuring it out. Yes. Who knows? So as you embark on this wonderful pregnancy, mm. you are writing a guide with a friend, the nutritionist Michelle Broad. Why are you doing this? Um... Well, Michelle and I actually put a guide together years ago when okay. we first started blogging. Michelle is like the most incredible nutritionist and doctor and incredibly knowledgeable. And I often lean on her with, with clients. If I'm unsure about something, I'll give her a quick call. But we always said one day, if we both fall pregnant, we should combine our knowledge. You know, she specializes in um, nutrition during pregnancy and I specialize in pre and postnatal. And I've not really seen a book, I'm sure there are, but I just haven't really seen a book which combines both. Um, so just taking women through each trimester from more of a, you know, fitness and nutrition perspective and, um, you know, guiding them and, and as to what kind of training you could be doing, you know, things to bear in mind, how your body's changing, why you might be tra- is that, uh, craving certain things. Um, and it's by no means a diet, you know. No, of course. You don't want to be going on a diet when you're pregnant. And, and often the things you crave, you you probably should be eating them. But it's just kind of maybe giving a healthy alternative of, you know, that curry I was craving at 12 o'clock at night. You know? <laughs> Did you ever get that curry no, in the end? I didn't. Oh, God. I know, I know. Okay, your odor curry. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's really exciting. We're just putting it together now and... And uh, yeah, hopefully it should all be done by the time she's finished baking. How in here. exciting! Yeah. How exciting! 
Since we've been at home for such a while, what are some of your specialities when you're cooking? Um, been making a bit of sushi. Oh wow! Fun. Hello. Like I don't normally do that. That Amazing. was like fun. yeah, just trying to do other things. You get a bit bored, don't you? Like you're yeah. home the whole time. But in terms of like a a dish that I often lean on, maybe like one of my first blog posts was my lentil soup. Okay, which is nice. super easy, quick and easy, nutritious. Um, got a good dose of protein in there, and it's very affordable. I think it comes out at like twenty p or something oh per her dish proving you you know you can be healthy these pulses and, and grains yes so economical indeed, indeed. <laughs> and they and they go a long way as well yeah what about you like what's oh, your oh god don't know. I've, eat, I've eaten and, and, and inhaled every possible thing going i went through the baking phase i yeah. did not make banana bread and i did not make sourdough <laughs> but i was making like two-tiered carrot cakes i was making do you know what babka is um, that sort of israeli very dangerous um it's like a yeast dense bread but ah. it's um you plait it with like this chocolate mixture with Ooh. with hazelnuts oh my god it sounds um, more like a cake yeah it was pretty incredible but it actually um i burst into tears halfway through because i found out that i'd been missold yeast i'd been given baking powder so it didn't oh, rise no. in the airing cupboard and it was all pretty horrific oh, when you do find yourself out and about where are some of your favorite restaurants in london Hmm, I thought you might ask me this. This is so difficult because there are so many. Do you know what? In my mind, like I, the geeky side of me wants to bring out a list and structure it in terms of like the occasion, who I'm going with, you're like, you're time like, of day. You're like my soul sister. <laughs> Sorry. That's sort of things I do. But okay, but just like a quick, like random mix. I love um, Le Petit Maison. Oh, do you like that one? Fair. Oh, That's one of my favorite really, restaurants in London. Oh, That's like a real sort of special occasion yeah. even though it's in Mayfair it doesn't feel no pretentious it's on a beautiful slightest. little cobbled back street yeah it's like very like almost like family kind of vibe very um warm and friendly and so what I love actually is um when you arrive and they have the lemons oh, yes. on the table with the bread oh. and the olive oil and the tomato and you can sort of just like make your yeah. own little amazing oh. the tuna carpaccio yes the tuna oh. carpaccio is amazing there and then the bread the french bread at the end um <laughs> what's it called lost bread I think it translates in, oh, in French. It's like the day old bread situation. I think that's oh. the thing, and they reinvent it and they turn it into like this delicious, amazing dessert. I mean, oh, it's wow. like no like old bread I know. Like it's yeah, amazing. some like beautifully baked yeah. sort of French delicacy. It's so good. Apart from that, I love dining. So I love sushi. Dining is amazing. Rock is good. Yes. Rock is really nice. I actually yes. really like the old Aldwych one. Haven't been to the Aldwych one. Yeah. I've been to the original one. And then for like a really special occasion, Zuma obviously is like amazing. But like for like brunches and things, uh, Granger and Co. in Notting Hill. Yeah, around the corner. Gotta have the um, ricotta pancake. Yeah, absolutely. Like where would you go? Like more on a weekly basis? No one's asked this question back yet. So there's a couple of Italians near me that I like. I like Mediterraneo Mm -hmm. in Notting Hill. That is lovely, actually. I've been on a few birthdays. Yeah, and they always put all the lights down and play happy birthday to you with a huge tiramisu cake. Mm -hmm. I like Honey & Co. Oh, yeah. In town, if you Mm -hmm. want that real Israeli Middle Eastern food, it's a great little spot. I'll tell you where I've only actually been once, but I want to go back again, is Ottolenghi's restaurant, Rovi, Ah. which is absolutely incredible specializes more in everything that's grilled but it's a lot more vegetarian focused they do have meat and fish on the menu but it's just 
absolutely brilliant Amazing. and a lot of the recipes are in that new simple cookbook oh, oh well oh god we have to go yeah really good that's sort of my my sort of thing or just a fabulous pizza oh yeah very where's simple. the best pizza then um I like you know oh I'm, i don't want to get political because i might upset a couple people <laughs> oh, no. i have two favorites i'm just yeah. i'm gonna be really on the fence so it depends which one you want but my two absolute favorites in london are santa maria absolutely incredible traditional napolitana pizzas Ooh. my other favorite is home slice Mm-hmm. which is more the sort of 20-inch pies oh. that you'd get one to share between two of you because by the time you've had half, that's probably about the same size as a normal right, like right. individual pizza. Their toppings are a little bit crazier, but the base, the sauce, is out of this world. You, is it Romana, like a thin? Quite thin, yeah. sort of a medium-sized crust, but very thin base. Mm so delicious I think it's gotta be thin and what I like about them is that they don't have any cutlery so you have to have eat everything like oh. a proper New York style yeah, pizza yeah. but done really well amazing yeah speaking of weird toppings so I'm probably gonna be crucified for saying this but my favourite topping which is like a spe- Swedish speciality is um uh, Pineapple. I knew you were going to say it. Nobody gets better. Wait. Pineapple, banana, and what? curry. I what? swear to God, this is to die for. I like my mouth is drooling. It is so good. <laughs> no, you need to elaborate. So you're doing a tomato-based pizza. Yes, yeah, so you're like doing a margarita essentially, like Romana, Romana base, thin. You pop the, the banana on top, the pineapple, and you sprinkle like loads of curry and pop it in the oven where do i find this well they don't i mean i've asked in all the restaurants in this country but they all refuse i was i even bought my own banana at one occasion and they just wouldn't they wouldn't do it for me i mean i, I kind of want to try it it's I'm, i honestly don't try it like don't knock wow. it don't try it yeah it's it's weirdly like it's one of those things that you're like it shouldn't work but it does i always end my interviews with a few quick fire questions brilliant my absolute favourite snack of all time, as we all know, is a packet of crisps. What is your favourite flavour of crisps and why? Oh, salt and vinegar. Yes, are you too? Are you? Well, actually, my favourite flavour is pickled onion Monster Munch. What? I, I'm really dirty. Ooh. <laughs> She's looking at nice. me like, no. Wait, which, which, um, it's good, got to be quite kettle chips, I think. Okay, so you yeah. like a good crunch, nothing, because yeah. kettle chips are a bit thicker than sort of like a Walker's. Right, yeah, yeah. For No, sure. I don't mind, I, I do like a good kettle chip. Mm-hmm. What is the craziest food you've ever eaten? Oh, this has got to be a press trip I went on a couple of years ago to Iceland. Have you been? No. Okay, so we... <laughs> but I have a feeling where this might be going. Oh, really? Has anyone else <laughs> I... said this? No, 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 I just have a feeling when okay. you just sort of... <laughs> okay, so I was there with like a bunch of journalists. We stayed in this awesome hotel, Depla Farm, in the north of Iceland, in wow. like the middle of nowhere. I went in the summer, but typically you'd, you'd only be able to get there by helicopter, so they specialise in heli ski. So you literally go there, stay there, and then you take a helicopter every day to go skiing. So it's like wow. a very, very cool place. And I was there with a bunch of journalists. All day we'd been horse riding on these Icelandic horses. Last day, last um, night of uh, my hotel stay there. And they say, oh, we've got a, a delicacy, Icelandic delicacy. Now I've realized anytime people say delicacy, like warning signs yeah. should like blink. Yes. You just know, like it's it's gonna be kind of gross. Yeah, most likely. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry to anyone Icelandic. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> all right. <laughs> 
But um, so they, they present us with shark, but shark apparently when you kill it, it um, urinates through its pores. So it's, what? yeah, so it ferments in its own urine. <laughs> so we are, at this point we've had a few, um, what do they call it? Brennlin, I think it's like their Icelandic like vodka equivalent. We've had a few of this, so we're all a bit tipsy and I thought, you know, it'd be rude not to try this this shark. So I pop it in my mouth and I'm like chewing and it's got kind of like a rubbery texture and it's like, I'm like, this is not too bad, it's fine. And then suddenly Hannah, like literally, <laughs> there is an explosion of urine flavor, which just coats what? my entire mouth. I'm just like, ah. And I just, I've never done this in my life, but I literally, I just had to spit it spit out. Spit it out. Yeah, I'm so, I'm so sorry. I mean, I mean, 10 out of 10 for trying. Thank you. Did Thank they you. tell you yeah, about they told the us. fermented urine yes, beforehand? Yes, they, they saw my thought. I mean, I was <laughs> just like a bit drunk at this point and thought, well, you know, embrace it. You know, you only have wow. it once. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. No, I'm not sure about that. Yeah, but, I mean, also I just find delicacies in general quite weird because we've moved on. Like we, we have technology, there's been progress. We have refrigerators, <laughs> we have freezers. There is no need to ferment stuff or like bury them in the ground for like three years yeah. and then eat it. Like it's no. And it's urine. I think it's the urine that's got me because I love anything fermented. I, I do. I mean another weird fact about me i quite like the smell of going like into a fish shop Ooh. oh my god <laughs> i'm like really exposing myself that is niche no that is real niche isn't it i mean <laughs> well, like, Maybe i you like, should get a job in I mean, fish I shops and you just come well, like, over I like, like smell like, of fish i like the day. smell of going into a cheese shop i love the uh, smell of going so it into reminds like... me a bit of like feet i have to be honest <laughs> i mean do you like the smell of feet this might all be cut out <laughs> but i I sort of like those weird smells. Yeah. Oh, so, that, so that anything fermented, yeah. I kind of, I'm I really... I totally should keep I this think, in, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> there might be like a niche group emailing you like, oh, join our group. This might be like a bit of a fetish, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's so long. God. Um, I'm never going to live this one down. <laughs> Moving but on swiftly. But do you have any other f- weird like food things? <sighs> I mean, back to your question, back, back to your comment about the pizza... I my favorite pizza topping of all time is a Fiorentina with the egg on top, which I know a lot Ooh. of people really dislike. Yeah, but I like that. Because you said you've been sweet. Have you tried surströmming? What's that? With that, it's like a fermented fish. Like it, you know, traditionally you bury it in the in the earth and you pick it up. I don't no, know how many I hundreds of years it. later. I hundred percent would try it. It smells. I'm not even joking. Like it's not an exaggeration of sewage. <laughs> like you can smell it a mile away, but it's incredibly sweet. But really? like you, you just have to get like near near it at first I would, like to... I would actually I think we should, you and I should go on like a little Shall Swedish we? food tour yeah I think it'd be so interesting because when I was in Sweden I did two trips one to Stockholm and one up into the ice hotel oh right um, I've not been up there up to the middle of nowhere which oh. was quite a, a life-changing experience as well but I like I ate reindeer oh, yeah. which kind of upset me a little bit and oh, I'm not usually you ate bad me. that moral of a person but but I ate a lot of herring. You know, I yeah. love all that sort of stuff. Same. But I was—I grew up on herring because of my dad's Jewish connection. Yeah, what is your most memorable meal? That question instantly transports me to like Italy, to this like wonderful hotel I stayed in, um, Caesar Augustus in Capri, and it's like you know you'll sit sat on the cliff side and looking over the beautiful ocean, and um, we had. Um, Oh, I lose the word now. You know when they crust it with salt, the fish. Like a salt-baked sea bass. Yeah, it must be sea bass. Oh. Yeah, oh, 
just divine. But I think it's 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 the combination, isn't it, of the food and the setting. Totally. And like I think amazing. it's when it all sort of marries together. Yeah. That for company. me is like a really memorable yeah. experience. And finally, live to eat or eat to live. Wait, so I always get confused by this. So so I love eating. So I so eat you to, are I love living it. to eat. Yes, that's it. Eat to live is like fueling the body. Right. You see it as just a fuel to kind of keep going. Whereas living to eat is enjoying the food yeah. and just you live yeah. to eat. Yeah. Of you course. love to eat, you live to eat. Mm-hmm. I mean that's one hundred percent. That goes without saying that that's very much me I as think well. Unless you if unless you're born without taste buds, how could you not <laughs> choose that option? Absolutely. Do you not think? Oh my god, Brit, I love that. What a way to end the end the chat on. <laughs> Poor person, if you don't yeah, have taste oh. buds, God, what a time to be alive. Mm. Faya, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I've had such a lovely chat with you and I wish you nothing but happiness and positivity with the rest of your pregnancy journey. You can follow Faya on social media at Fitness on Toast. Until next time, bye. Thank you for listening and joining me this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and tell a friend and another and maybe another. Don't forget to follow all the crazy sexy antics on Instagram at crazy sexy food. And please visit the crazy sexy food YouTube channel where you will find the food show, how to videos, interviews and everything in between. Until next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.